Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here with Jeff Burton. And as you can see, we are here in the NASCAR and NBC studios in Charlotte, North Carolina. Jeff, first podcast that we have taped in person here since, I believe, March (laughs) of 2020. And I think you were the last person to do this with me live. So welcome back and thanks for being here. Good to be back. It's good to be back in our studio doing things the way we used to do them. It, it is good. It is very nice. Uh, so a big day for the NASCAR and NBC podcast post-race edition. We're going to talk some Talladega. It was a big weekend for the Burton family of South Boston, Virginia. I'm going to get to that eventually. I know Jeff was at Talladega, so we're going to talk about that. But Jeff, I want to talk first about Brad Keselowski uh, gets his first super speedway win in three and a half years at Talladega Super Speedway. I was stunned. It had been since October 2017 since Keselowski had won at Talladega. Six straight races at this track without a top 10, including five outside the top 15. And he talked a lot about this afterward, about how it coincided with a lot of rules changes that NASCAR has made in recent years that kind of changed the racing. Let's just start with, it seems as if the rules over the last year have made it a little bit easier, certainly for guys to get runs. We saw that a lot at Talladega and Daytona the last couple of years. Your thoughts on Brad Keselowski returning to his winning form at Super Speedway Racing? And is it just a sense of like, you know, partly just the package has changed and it's back in his sweet spot? So I, I think that I think that Brad's a really analytical guy, and I think he's a, you know he thinks about stuff. I think he's almost overthinking it. I think it's you know hmm. with you know Daytona and Talladega, you can go into the race and do everything the same way you did the year before and have a completely different result, and that's unlike almost everywhere else. So I do think packages matter. I think that teams have more speed with one package than the other. I think drivers understand one package more than the other. But when I think about Penske and I think about Brad Keselowski, I think they can adjust to anything. So, uh, you know, I was doing my, my fantasy league, right? And I'm like, I got to pick Keselowski. Like, he's, on, he's in yeah. there. And I got to pick uh, Denny Hamlin. Like, he's yeah. right, right? And yeah. then I started thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. Denny's been the guy. Do I really want to pick Brad? Yeah. And, and it just shows you how, you know, what have you done for me lately, right? Yeah. I mean, six wins at Talladega, and I was discounting him because, yeah. sure. you know, he hadn't won recently. But... I just think, I think Brad, I think his approach to super speedway racing is right. I think his aggression level is right. And on Sunday, I also think he was aided by, and I know it's difficult to say this when we saw a car flip upside down and we saw the wreck on the front straightaway, but I think we had less wrecks than we've been having with this package. Hmm. It almost felt like a little bit of an old school race at Talladega. It didn't hmm. have that same sense of, oh, we're getting these huge runs. I think the drivers adjusted. And, and we saw less wrecks because the drivers adjusted 
had more experience with this package. And I know Joey wasn't excited about the package and was clear about it, but, but as it relates to Brad, I think all the drivers have adjusted better. There weren't as many mistakes. And I think Brad's just really, really smart. He's very calculative, and I think he just, you know, got himself in the right spot at the right time, and who should be surprised? That's interesting that your point there, that he might be over, overthinking or overanalyzing, because you're right, he is a very analytical guy. But I was stunned, Jeff. I, you know, I did Sirius last Thursday, and Mike Bagley threw that stat out there about six straight races at Talladega for, <laughs> without a top 10 for Keselowski. I, like you and said, it, like when I think of who's the best, I think him, Hamlin, Logano. That's it. And, and how many of those are wrecks? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what like, I mean? It's not like he doesn't, they didn't have top 10 speed, and that's my right. point. You know, my, my, so it's hard for me not to relate things to myself, you know, because yeah. I was a driver. And I can tell you one year, and I don't know the exact average, but I think I went one year where I averaged, I, it was just below a sixth-place finish on all four-plate races, Yeah. right? And the next year I did everything the same, and my average was in the 30s. Yeah. You know, and what it's really easy to say, ooh, that boy, he knew how to drive the day, yeah. year before, and then last year he got really bad at it, right? Some of it's just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, and that's what's interesting to me because when, when I, I wanted to ask you about that, when I think back on covering almost 20 years of super speedway racing at Talladega and NASCAR, I, I think of it as just one long, continuous thing. <laughs> like, but yet, when Kozlowski talked about it yesterday, he was like, yeah, man, like I had the rules figured out in 2009, 2010, and then they changed in 12 and 13, and I was really good, like 14 and 15, and they changed in 16, and I, I got kind of bad there for a while, and then I didn't win until, man, like it was almost like he was a golfer remembering like every hole that he yeah. had played during the course of a tournament. And to me, it's just one long, like, hey, it's Talladega, there's a big wreck, <laughs> there's a lot of drafting, like sometimes they run single file, and yes, sometimes I guess the rules were different a little bit the last few years where you had that bubble that they talked about, maybe if you were the leader you yep. could control the lines a little bit more, but you know, your take I'm interested in, like did it change that much when you were a driver or did it just seem like it was the same every year? It's the mindset, and the reason I won one plate race in retrospect, the reason I only won one is because I viewed it as a, a race of chance. I viewed it as I'm gonna get in this line, and I didn't understand. I didn't. It wasn't that I didn't care. I didn't recognize that I could control more than I thought I could. Hmm. I put it up to circumstance. I put it up to luck. I put it up to all these things. And as I got toward the end of my career, I went, you know, Jeff, you might have been wrong about this all along. And huh. I started looking and thinking about it. And when you hear Brad talk about that, what he's saying is that I didn't do well right he's not saying the package wasn't good he's saying i and that's the difference you know dale jr dale earnhardt uh, brad keselowski those guys go into those races thinking i can control this like i had yes there's parts out of my control but the things i can't control i'm going to control them and that's a different mindset than hey we're all going to run in a pack and i might get through it i might not it's a completely different mindset and and in my opinion the best at it there's a reason that people win those races over and over and over. And it's really easy to say, well, they got the best cars. Clearly, they have fast cars. But they've studied, and they've paid attention, and they've looked at it as an opportunity, not as a race of chance. Hmm. And I think when Brad's talking about, you know, I didn't, I wasn't good here, the rules changed there, I didn't adapt, da 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 that's what he's doing. He's looking at it, and I heard, I heard Coleman Presley talking, uh, last night on, on XM Radio, NASCAR XM Radio, I heard him talking about how much time they spend together, how much time they spend studying, watching tape, understanding. That's effort, right? right? And when you take talent, effort, 
all that stuff, desire, you put all that together, you typically get results. And Coleman Presley is the spotter and, and Keselowski gave him a lot of credit after that race. He's been a spotter for a few years. And that's interesting the way, the way you position that, Jeff, because as much as we talk about, oh, it's a lottery, oh, it's random, oh, it's arbitrary, you're right. Like there are these guys and it's not luck. They have skill sets, they have preparation who always finish toward the front and always seem to win. So if we could have taken like 2010 to 2013 era Jeff Burton, and like put you in the late 90s, early 2000s, do you think you could have won maybe a race or two at Dega? I'd had a better chance. I'd had a better chance. Now, just mindset. Just mindset. Wow. Just a mindset change. Now, I would have had to drag. My mindset wouldn't have just affected me. It would have affected others in the company. And I think that's what's, that's important too. Yeah. Because, you know, we need we did need faster cars. I mean, I won, won a race at Daytona, and we had a really fast car. I mean, it was really fast. And I had some fast cars when I was at Childress. But if my mindset would have been, this is, this is four races that I can control, that I'm gonna take ownership in, then I would have been pushing everybody around me to be better too, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, the engine guys are working hard, but were they working as hard as they needed to be? Was I working as hard as I needed to be, right? We thought we were for the mindset that we had. Now, listen, I've been in conversation with many, many crew chiefs, many owners, Many team members, well, you know, we're probably gonna wreck the thing anyway, and they're all gonna run the same speed once they get in the draft. Do we really wanna put the emphasis on this when, yeah. you know, there's this many other races? Like, that's a real conversation. But the very best at it, make it, a, make it a point of emphasis. Interesting. So, as I said, Brad Kozlowski wins. He's only led one lap, as we've seen often at Talladega and Daytona. Sometimes it's only leading the right lap, which is always the last one in this case. And unfortunately, it came in the expense of Matt DiBenedetto, who was leading entering the white flag, ends up finishing fifth, makes a move that, I don't know if you had this thought too, Jeff, but when I saw this move, I immediately flashed back to uh, Kenseth in the 2016 Daytona mm. 500, where he's leading. Hamlin goes up high Hamlin, with Harvick. Yeah. Yeah. Hamlin wins this race. Hamlin goes up high, his teammate, and Kenseth like wildly swings up to block him, which is the natural thing because you're in the lead and you're trying to fend guys off, but if he would have stayed where he was, might have been all right. It seemed like the same thing happened this time yeah. with Benedetto. He's got Keselowski behind him. Keselowski getting the push from McDowell, but then Logano sees Blaney, his quasi teammate, in the upper lane, and he swings to the outside, and that was it. Well, if you think about it, the Xfinity race was one similar as well. Jeb got was in that inside lane, and there were several people that were trying to block lanes, went to the back, and I, it's easy to say retrospect, you know, that you sh that maybe. Uh, what what De Benedetto would have been better off doing was looking in the mirror and saying, "Okay, I think this is the best lane," and just going to that lane and trying to be the guy leading that lane. Now, they aren't just going to ride behind you, right? <laughs> right? We see a lot of races where they do just ride behind you and push you to the win. It's because they can't make a move, but with this package, you can make a move. So, I have a hard time fa uh, faulting Matty D for trying to be aggressive. Mm -hmm to win the race, trying to block both lanes. I have a hard time faulting him on that because it's kind of what we've been taught. You know, yeah. it's history, history has proven itself. There are times it's counterproductive. The, the, the Matt Kenseth, you know, that was such a block. I mean, that was from the, that was in the corner, from the bottom up to the top, and like, that, that wasn't gonna work. But, but Matt, if you ask Matt, he's, he would tell you, well, they were gonna go by me anyway. Right, so, yeah. and I'm sure Matty D would, would say the same thing, is look, if I didn't do something, they were gonna pass me anyway. That lane was going so fast. I don't know, it's really easy to go back in retrospect and look at it and say, well, I'd have done this. Well, in the heat of the moment, you have a decision to make. Uh, it ultimately ended up being the wrong decision, yeah. but 
if I'm his crew chief, I'm sitting down today and I'm analyzing when should we block? Is it the right time to block? And I think that's really the analysis that all the drivers are going to have to start, to start taking because the blocks this weekend weren't effective. It didn't win the race in either, in either race. So, so what, you know, going forward, what is the best thing to do in that position? Whereas the blocks say, I think again, it was like maybe the 2018, 19 timeframe. That was kind of how you ran these super speedway races, right? You just, you controlled the line by blocking. Yeah, and, you, the and there was no big run. See, that's, yeah. see, to me, that's like, so, an ex, and I know we're confusing the issue, but in the Xfinity race, those cars don't get runs the way the cup cars right. did. And right. the, cup, the cup cars get major runs. So three years ago, if Matty D moves up and gets that line and they push him, it loses energy on that bottom line and there's not this huge momentum that gets gained. And that may have been the right move. But with that package, to me, it's just so hard. And I was getting to say it's a crapshoot. And I just sat here and told you that the <laughs> driver can't have a mindset as a crapshoot. They got to go back and decide. And, they got, and you got to make a decision. It didn't work. But that, that doesn't mean it's always going to work. And you have to have some help. So it's, it's, it's unreasonable to think that a driver can be sitting in his car, right, and can see the whole picture, like mirror, mirror, right? And here's all the people in this line. Here's all the people in that line. This line has the most energy. There's, they're forming up three wide behind him. That means that th those two lines are going to be worse. Like the spotter's got to be involved in that too. And, and I'm not, it's not easy, yeah. but if you go back and watch all of that, the chaos behind what was going on when he made that move hurt him as much as his move because the inside line was clean, formed up, tidy, nice and straight. The other two lines started doing this. That took energy away from those two lines. It took some energy away from the bottom too, but it took more energy away from those two lines and it created a scenario where he didn't have this big push because that push gets four and five or six car lengths behind. And when you're too wide and Dyson, it just drags that energy back. So he lost that energy from that top line because it was something he wasn't controlling. He has to have help making that decision. And I think if he would have had a bird's eye view and he could have seen what was going on behind him, he wouldn't have made that move. And, and again, this is, I get to replay it 10 times and yeah. do, oh, I'd have done that, right? Yeah. And that's, he had to make the decision like that. Boom, make a decision. It ultimately was wrong when, but you, the, you don't get to analyze. It's just, it's a quick decision. This is the, uh, you know, the quintessential armchair quarterback type situation. These plate races where, like you said, you can watch those overhead cameras and have the benefit of hindsight and realize, oh yeah, he could have done this, this, and this. But in the moment, it's so different. And I'm glad well, you brought and, and, and the pressure on Matty D. Because he's, he's, I mean, he, he has, doesn't have a job next year. He has to win. He has to win. And I, and I don't know, you know, every driver is in a different situation. And I think Matty D is, I don't care what anybody says, when you're always driving for your life, that's difficult. You know, he's been public. He doesn't know what's going to happen next year, right? I, I think that adds to the intensity level. It has to. Yeah. How could it not? Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the spotter, Jeff, because interesting comments from Benedetto in the post-race. Matty D said that uh, his spotter, Doug Campbell, he said, I put a lot of trust in him. He called me to go to the top on that final lap because he saw Ryan Blaney coming. And to your point, Benedetto said, I can only see so much, but I saw Ryan with a run. So I went up there to pick that up. So he made that move essentially because his spotter told him. And is that just the devil's bargain that drivers just sort of have to live with in super speedway racing? That sometimes, as you said, they don't know what's going on around them and they just have to put implicit trust in that guy above telling them where they should be. Yeah. I, yes. Yes. I mean, you have to, 
If you listen to the best and you watch the best drive, they are listening to their spotter. And the spotter isn't driving the car. And there's times I feel like Joey Logano's spotter is driving his car. I think Joey has so much faith that there's times I feel like that. But that puts a lot of pressure on the spotter, too. And he, remember, he's under, you know, he's like, oh my God, we're going to win. We got a lap to go. We got to do it. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're at home and we care because we're fans, right? We're excited. But it's their life. And those moments are made not only analytically, but emotionally. And when you're sitting there and you're, you're up front, you've been up front a lot, you see this line coming, we got to block that line, we got to block it. Right? That's what immediately you're thinking. I think a crew chief spotter driver that's won eight, nine, ten races, they have a little different mindset. Everything slows down. Everything, you know, gets calmer. It gets slower. You hear about basketball players, football players saying, in my second year, things slow down. Well, what does that mean? The fact that players didn't get slower. The understanding of what I need to do became more clear. And when it's chaos, it's hard to think. And, and when you're trying to get that first win, when you're trying to make something happen, everything seems, I don't want to say worse, but everything seems more intense. Sure, it's magnified. And yeah. to try to take emotion out of that when, like right. you said, like his entire life, is dependent on racing and he doesn't know what's going to happen next year yeah. and oh by the way too with the wood brothers are trying to win their hundredth race and have been trying for i it forgot about feels that. like a few years <laughs> like there's a lot of things here like all kind of and, and listen the whole garage wants to win every race but the whole garage would be excited for the wood yeah. brothers to win that hundredth yeah. race. It would, it, be, it would be a big deal be very cool would have been cool if it would happen yesterday but it didn't another big moment you mentioned joey logano's name unfortunately he got upside down uh in a crash during the race and got a little bit upset about it. Uh, I guess I don't know exactly what to think. You know, it's a product of this racing. And on one hand, I'm, I'm so proud to drive a cup car that is safe that I can go through a crash like that and get out and speak about it. And one hand, I'm mad about being in the crash. The other hand, I'm just happy I'm alive. On the other hand, I think, when are we going to stop? Because this is dangerous doing what we're doing. I got a roll bar in my head. You know what I mean? It's not, that's not okay. I'm one hit away from the same situation right now. his big spoiler and his big runs the pushing and all that is no one's fault right i mean denny's trying to go and then 47's trying to go it's a product of this of this racing we have to fix it though because someone someone already got hurt and we're still doing it so that's not real smart so but at the same time i'm appreciative of driving a car that's as safe and, and appreciate the, what team penske's done for for the safety of these cars as well uh, that i can live to talk about it and uh, go again so uh i got lucky i didn't get hit while i was in the air so um Unfortunate for our auto trader Mustang, but um, we'll go on. We'll go on. It won't be a good starting spot next week. So a lot of talk, Jeff, about spoilers and liftoff speeds and all that stuff the last couple of days. What can NASCAR do uh, to address this? We heard Scott Miller say today that they are, are looking at this Logano crash. What can NASCAR do? Should they do anything? What do you think? What year did uh, they put Richard plates on it? I can't remember. 1988. I believe. So if you go to 1991 and pull quotes up and insert a different name, it would say the same thing. It, it, I agree with him. It's a product of this racing. It's a product of pack racing. It's a product of, if you go back and watch that race, that wreck, the only way that wreck doesn't happen is if everybody doesn't try to pass each other. I mean, nobody intentionally did that. It's, if you go back and watch it, there was a series of events hap that happened that started the wreck. And the only way to prevent that is just everybody say, you know, like, we're going to be cool here. We're not going to race. And, and we're going to race, but not, you know, like it's the last lap. Um, one of my fears with, with uh, you know, when, when all the 
when we all worked as hard as, hard as we did at creating the, the stage racing, you know, I woke up a few weeks before Daytona in the middle of the night terrified. And what have we done? You know, you got this, this stage racing at restrictor plate races. Now we have three endings, you know? So I agree with what Joey's saying. I, I, I agree that not with all, I don't agree 100% with everything with Joey said, but I agree it's a product of the racing. And I yeah. agree that uh, something must be done. What is it? I mean, yeah. we've had, you know, the, the close, you know, I'm going to get hate mail, hate tweet, whatever you get in 2021. <laughs> but the closest thing to uh, getting away from pack racing was tandem. And everybody hated that. It looked, looked horrible. I, the only way to fix it is to separate the cars. The only way to separate the cars is to make them drive really, really, really bad. And handling comes into play. And then, you, and then the cars are going to be separated. And the fans aren't going to like that race. Mm-hmm. How do you fix it? We opened right. Pandora's box. You know, when the restrictor plates got put in the car in, you know, in the late 80s, Pandora's box got open. How do you close it? You can't just knock the banking down at Talladega and say, oh, it's going to be a flat 2.6 mile racetrack. You could, but, but you know, fans aren't going to like that. No. And, and, and you, you, I, I honestly think you could take every bit of the spoiler off the cars. I think you could cut the quarter panels off of them. I think you could do a lot of stuff to make them drive really, really bad, and that would separate the pack. And they'd maybe draft like hell down the straightaways, but get to the corners and they'd spread out. That's the only way to fix it. Yep. And, 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 uh, but I, I just don't know how we get there from here. Yeah. I honestly don't know how we get there from here. I think that the fan base just would, would, um, would revolt. You mentioned stage racing. That was introduced in 2017. And it does seem as if there have been a lot of wrecks at Daytona and Talladega at the end of stages. We saw it again yesterday, the Logano wreck right at the end of stage one and then at the end of stage two and then the last stage begins and they're all single file for 30, 40 laps, not by coincidence, I think. No. Uh, does it surprise you that, what are we, uh, five seasons into stage racing that, that they're still wrecking at the end of stages at super speedway races? Probably not. So what surprises me is that you know, I think that it looks like to me everybody races really hard to try to get in that top 10 in points. And then if they're not, they like, all right, I'm out. That's yeah. what it looks like to me. It looks like people have adjusted. If they know they're not going to be in there, like they've adjusted and said, okay, I'm just going to let those guys go. I see a lot of people do that. That, But the buildup, and I was there. I was there sitting in the grandstands, which I love doing. It's fun. I just like sitting in the grandstands. I like to hear it, see it, smell it. You could see it. You could feel it. Yeah. Like, you didn't have to look at, you didn't, I mean, I looked up one time, and I'm like, we've got to be coming to a stage in, right? And I look at the big screen, and sure enough, we're like <laughs> 10 away from the stage in, and I'm like, yeah. you didn't even have to look at the lap board. You could see it. You know, it matters. It shows you how much points matter. You know, when people say, people say points don't matter, just watch a plate race and watch yeah. what happens at the end of these stages. It's pretty clear how much they matter. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, 
jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Interesting opinion, I thought, from William Byron. I still think the teams are, you know, getting the cars too fast a little bit. I think we could go slower and still put on a good race. I mean, maybe three, four mile an hour. So I don't know how they would go about that. But but no, I feel like this package is really good. I feel like it's one of the best speedway packages we've had in a while. You know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of when I came into Cup, we had the big bubble effect and guys could just control the lanes and basically control the race for the whole time. That That, to me, was just boring. So... I feel like now we've got the ability to, you know, push through that bubble. Obviously it's all about your push and, you know, having a car that can manage the push. So there's a lot of work and effort still that goes into making sure your car can take pushes and be the pusher, all those things. There's still a lot of technical stuff, but yeah, I feel like they could still, you know, slow the cars down two, three mile an hour and be fine. Um, yeah, I think the teams, they made that incremental step to slow them down and we, you know, all the teams quickly got that back. So I feel like, you know, it's no big deal if we were running 195 around here instead of, you know, 199. And he thinks like the best thing to do would be slow the cars down two to three miles an hour and it'll still be fine. So I mean, I don't know how NASCAR does it. You've also got next gen coming in 2022. Yeah, so yeah. that might change the game itself. But like, do, do they keep the, uh, as Dale Jr. says, the big ass spoilers? I think I can say big ass spoilers because he said it. Do they keep those and just reduce the speed somehow a little bit or, you know, can they do it that uh, way? Or? The big ass spoilers aren't going anywhere for this year. <laughs> I just can't imagine they yeah. would. I, I think that, well, the, the scary thing about that wreck is why did the car go airborne so quickly? Yeah. You know, the, like the, that need, the analysis of that needs to happen. Like the car, you know, why did it go airborne? Like they've got to find a way to keep the car on the ground. The car stays on the ground. It's not that big of a deal. When it does get in the air, and it's not, you know, it's a combination of, of contact and arrow, right? That sometimes causes cars to get, uh, get in the air. It's not always just they turn around and, you know, they fly off by themselves. That roll cage structure has to be built so that it can tolerate it. And I mean, I, I, I have no doubt, none, that NASCAR is working exceptionally hard to figure out how to make that happen better. But when you take a vehicle that weighs over 3,000 pounds and you drop it on its roof, there's Only going so to be some kind yeah. of crush there that happens. It has to be at an acceptable level. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, the truth is that Joey didn't get hurt. He wasn't, he wasn't contacted by another car, thank goodness. But the truth is Joey didn't get hurt. And uh, was he suspect? Was it, was, if he would have made contact, would he been in a worse position? Yes. Does it does effort need to be put in to make it better? Hundred percent. But it did its job. Could it do it better? That's what NASCAR has to look at and have to decide that it can be done better. And and that's the difference today. Is that you know in the past NASCAR looked at things as if you know well you're a race car driver and you signed up for it. I'm talking a long time ago. You know 
And, but today it's not like that. Today is we're going to make it better, and they will. Like I think they'll look very hard into figuring out how to make that car where it will not uh, uh, crush as easily, will not move as easily, keep that roll cage structure as strong as it can. They've added more bars, uh, but at some point, you know, something else has to happen, right? So that those those front A post bars they stay they stay rigid. It's a very difficult thing if you think about it. You know, you got a windshield, right? And so the bar that runs from the frame rail to the windshield, it has to change angles. So it goes up, it bends, and now you got a bar sitting there with a bend in it. So, you know, if you take something like this and try to push it down, it's yeah. a lot easier to do than if you're like this trying to push that down, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that crushability is there. How do you support this so it can't crush and then the driver still be able to get out of the car, driver still be able to see, yeah. Right, it's a complicated issue. I know they're working on it. I know they'll work yeah. on it even harder now. Keeping the car on the ground and keeping the car from crushing as easily. It's not an easy fix. No, it's not, but you're, you're right. They've, they're proactive. They have been over the last 20 years. And I go back to, I can remember when the car tomorrow came out and it had the wing. And then suddenly it seemed like there were a lot more airborne crashes happening when cars turned around and that wing seemed yep. to improve liftoff speed. They got rid of the wing, they put the spoiler on. Any, Thoughts on that? I mean, you were around when that COT was in place and they had that wing. I mean, are, are there things they can look at in terms of liftoff that they oh, did there's then? Always, yeah, there's now? always things to look at. But, I mean, the roof flaps are huge now. Yeah. They've got evacuation vents in the hood. They got, I mean, there's a lot of things going on now that are better than they were then. And the yeah. car still had liftoff. So, just got to, I don't, I mean, you just have, I heard, I heard Scott Miller talk about that, that uh, I think the Penske engineers are going to involve them. I always think that's a great idea. I think, I think, I think the, the brightest minds in the sport, and this is nothing against NASCAR at all, but the people that are being paid to go make their cars faster than the other people, there's a competitive nature about that, that creates yeah. this intensity. Involving them is you know, John Probst with NASCAR, Scott Miller with NASCAR, all those guys are really, really smart. But there's more smart people, right? Because the yeah. teams have so much staffing involving the teams, which they do anyway, but involving the teams is a good idea. NASCAR is always going to be outnumbered when it comes to yeah. engineers. I mean, they'll it, it, never have 40 teams with no. like God knows how many engineers. NASCAR is always going to have a limited number. Obviously. Yeah, and they shouldn't yeah. have that many. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, they, they are a governor, you know, they, they shouldn't. They yeah. shouldn't have more than the teams do collectively. Yeah, no question. So, as you mentioned, Jeff, uh, big weekend for your family, and you had that bird's eye view at Talladega Super Speedway, way up in the, in the grandstands to be able to watch Saturday's Xfinity race and Sunday's Cup race. Jeb Burton gets his first Xfinity Series victory Saturday, and you were there. I'm sure it was a big day. It was a big day. It was, you know, Jeb's worked really hard. Everybody works hard <laughs> in this sport, <laughs> right? And, and uh, I mean, everybody works hard in this sport, and they just do. If anybody that's trying to do this is, is working hard. Uh, Jeb's been well chronicled. That, you know, he, he was out of the sport for a while, in and out of the sport. You know, drove a very underfunded cup car to stay in the sport didn't know he was going to have an opportunity to have a full-time ride this year. That worked out, got the win. I mean, that's, that's a great story. I mean, even if it wasn't personal to me, you know, even if it wasn't personal, it's still a great story. And it's a it's kind of a testament to perseverance, right? You got to keep, you got to keep going. If you care about something, you keep, don't, don't give up, keep fighting. It may not work out for you, but it, when, at, you know, when, if it doesn't, at least you can lay your head down at night saying, you know what, I gave it my all. 
And you know, Jeb's worked very hard to try to find funding for race cars, to, to bring sponsors into the sport. He's done a really nice job of bringing sponsors into the sport that have contributed to the overall well-being of the sport. You know, he's done a nice job of that. It's good to see him win. It's good to see, you know, Colleague has done a really nice job. You know, they've become the team to beat at, at, at Daytona and Talladega. They just have. They've become the team to beat. And they win another one. You know what I mean? They won mm-hmm. a lot of these things. They win another one. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool story. And as you mentioned, Jeb has hustled to get that funding, to get that sponsorship, uh, to, to get in that ride with Colleague. And it reminds me a little bit of when you and Ward were coming up, you guys had that perseverance as well and never give up. And we're just going to keep fighting until we get a, a foothold in this thing. Has Jeb come to you for any advice? Or you, have you offered him yeah, any guidance no, on we, that? Yeah. yeah, we've talked a lot. Jeb and I, Jeb and I have talked a lot. And, and you know, he, he, yeah, we spent a lot of time together. Um, we spent a lot of time together the year he drove that cup car, you know, and, and um, he'd come to hang out in the motorhome, and, and, and uh, that was really hard on him. That yeah. was really hard on him. And, and uh, you know, I know what his dad went through. His dad knows what I – we both know things other people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and never and, will in some cases. Right, and I get, yeah. a glimpse, I get a glimpse, of, you know, behind the scenes of what Jeb's doing and see how hard he works and – and Ward gets a glimpse behind the scenes of what Harrison's doing and how hard he works, and it's just it's a good, it's a it's a it's a good thing right now. I mean, we we our family's in a good place as far as all that, and and you know, my wife and Harrison's girlfriend were were with Brandy when Harrison won, and I and they were as excited as Brandy was that Jeb won. That's and, cool. And uh, it was just a good day, good yeah. day, and that's. Four Burtons, winners in the national. I mean, that's crazy, man. We're everywhere. So I heard that's that. Cool. Somebody said that today. I didn't know that. I didn't even thought about that. That's right. So all, yeah, all winners that, in the Xfinity. That's a, uh, somebody said that was a record. Like, there have never been huh. four family members winning the national series. So South Boston's raising the flag today for <laughs> the Burton family. And, uh, you know, we, we, as you mentioned, you know, Harrison Burton running the full-time Xfinity series. So, of course, he was racing Saturday, but racing Sunday for the first time in the cup race at Talladega. Finished 20th, uh, said he learned a lot, said he got emotional right before the start of the race, which was unusual for him, as he said. Ran in the front pack, I think, at times. Didn't crash. What's uh, Dad's report card for Harrison on his first cup race? So he, so he went into that race saying, I'm not going to cause a wreck. You know, I'm, I'm a guest in this series. I, you know, if people come run Xfinity Series full time, I want them to respect me. Uh, Dale Jerry and I talked about that on the, 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 the show last week. And Harrison had that same mindset. He said, I'm not going to cause this wreck, you know. And uh, he, he learned a lot. He got some lessons. He, uh, on that last restart, he was sitting there lined up eighth. Wow. And um, two spotters got together and formulated a plan. Harrison executed on the plan, and the guy behind him didn't. And there he was sitting there all by himself. Yeah. And, you know, Harrison's like, what? And I said, that's the difference between Cup and Xfinity. <laughs> like, yeah. over here, right? And I know it's competitive in Xfinity, but over here, they will steal from you. They will, they will. It is, it, it's yeah. cutthroat, man. Yeah. You thought I mean, you knew it's, cutthroat. Yes. Yeah. And like, like, don't even be mad at the guy. Yep. Because it's how it is. Like, don't be mad at the guy. Understand that's what it is. And, and. He's like, yeah, but we had a plan. Yeah, it doesn't matter, yeah. like, right? And so, don't be mad at him because you'll probably have to do. The you're same gonna do thing. the same thing one day, <laughs> right? and and yeah. and uh, yeah. So, don't don't trust anybody. I yeah. mean, I'm sorry, it's just how it is. And when you when you sign to go cup racing, your mentality has to change. Yeah, and it is it is cutthroat. 
I mean, you're literally taking food off people's tables, and it is it's a whole other world. And he got it, so he got to look at that. And now, honestly, that was the point of the race. Like, so I think that I think that um, when you are when you have a developing driver or anything in life, and you're trying to go through experiences, what's the goal? And for Harrison to have the goal of, well, I'm going to win a race, is asinine. Mm-hmm. The goal for would should be i want to go do these things and when it's over be able to have an experience that makes me better that's what a 20 year old in his first cup race should be thinking mm-hmm. now that's not what brad keselowski should be thinking but that's what a 20 year old in his first race should be thinking so mission accomplished he did some really good things and he did some things that weren't as good and that's the goal now he now he has a bucket Right? He has a bucket that he can pull things out of and say, well, I remember that, I remember this. Those experiences create responses. And when I say that, when you drive a race car, or you have to make quick decisions in whatever you do, it becomes a game of instinct. But instinct isn't, doesn't come without experience. Right? Your instinct changes as you have experience. And, and you know, it just does. It does in nature. Right? And, and so, having those experiences create an opportunity for you to make the right decision in the millisecond that you have to make it. And until you have those, those experiences, it's hard to do that. Yeah, no question. And it's funny because you're right. Like we were on this very set uh, a week ago, Motor Mouse, Harrison joined and he was teasing you about saying, well, you got to be cautiously aggressive and you can't wreck, but you can't let them take stuff from you. You got to be, you know, you got to get out there and assert yourself. So it's good that he sounds like he passed the test. Uh, I'm not asking you to break any news here, but uh, he's in his second full Xfinity season. Made the playoffs. He won last year. Um, do you feel like yesterday was a good step toward maybe eventually making that? You know, you know I, don't, I, I don't know what. I mean, honestly, I, I I don't know what Harrison's doing next year. I really don't. I, yeah. I I know as little about what Harrison is doing next year as I have at any point in his career, and some of that is because he's his own man. And some of that is because we just don't know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think that I think that those things will start unfolding. I think that they'll, I think they'll unfold earlier this year for all drivers. I mm. think those things are going to start unfolding sooner. There are a lot of uncertain. There's a lot of uncertainty in the sport right now, and I think that I think people are going to want to be the first to something, right? I think they're going to want to try to make something happen. So I think we're going to see things happen earlier this year than we historically see them. I shouldn't say historically, then we've seen them in recent, recent years. years. Yeah. I can remember, like, if you went to Charlotte in May and you didn't really understand what you were doing next year, you were in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> it's turned into the October Charlotte race. I think things are going to – people are still not going to know what they're doing in October, yeah. but I think more people will know in October this year than they did last year. So it remains to be seen, but, I mean – if Cup is in his future, I would think yesterday was a really good check mark of saying, hey, I got this yeah, out of the way. Yeah, I, I would think belt. so. I, I think there's a lot of people looking, trying to go to Cup next year. I think that, I think that there's, you know, this new car has is, is spurred a lot of interest in young drivers, and it should be interesting to see how all of it shakes out. One more for you. I want to wrap up with talking about the next race, Kansas Speedway. It's been four races since NASCAR was at a mile and a half speedway. It feels like it's been an eternity. The last time was Atlanta Motor Speedway, where Ryan Blaney beat Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick shocked everybody by just not seeming Kevin Harvick-like at all for Atlanta. So I'll ask you five weeks later, how do you size up Cup Series going back to Kansas? Uh, do you think we'll see some steps from Stuart Haas Racing in the number four? Oh, 
you know, at Stuart Hoskins, there's been enough time for them to make some major changes. I think that they believe this race is very important because they have had a lot of time from the last mile and a half. They've got to find a way to, to find some speed. And, and, and I say they've got to, they know that, but can they? I mean, you know, you listen to Ronnie Childress when he told me, you know, he talked about being, you know, 70 off yeah. on downforce from it's where huge. they were last year. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know how you get that back. And not in five weeks even, oh, right? That's I don't know. Tall order. Yeah. And, 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 and you get it back in different ways than you had it before, and that changes things as well. So even if they find a way to get some of that back, you know, you're still going to have to make adjustment around other things because I know numbers are numbers, but where you generate downforce, I can tell you from experience, even though in the wind tunnel it says it's the same, it drives different. And every engineer would, you know, that doesn't make any sense, right? The wheel loads are the same, and it makes the same amount of downforce no matter where it's coming from. It's going to drive the same. That's not right. There, there are things that you can do to create the same downforce, but it drives differently. So if they can find that downforce, they're going to have to find the right package that works with it. And they got no practice to do it. So, you know, it's an uphill battle. I mean, it's a, it's a major uphill battle, but I think this I think it's a big weekend for them. Big weekend for you as well. I'm glad it was a good weekend for you and your family. And, no wrecks. Uh, yeah, no wrecks. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, we could have this discussion. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you, man. We appreciate NASCAR and NBC analyst Jeff Burton for joining the NASCAR and NBC podcast to talk about Sunday's race at Talladega Super Speedway. Rather appropriate given Jeff is so analytical in explaining driver thought processes he always has been an authority on safety, and it was also a big weekend for his son Harrison and his nephew Jeb, so many thanks to Jeff for being our guest. Thanks as well to NBC Sports producers Aaron Feldstein and Emily Conboy for helping with the coordination and recording of this podcast. As you heard, we did this in person at the NASCAR and NBC studio in Charlotte for the first time this year, and Aaron and Emily were both instrumental in making that happen and getting me the audio. So thanks, as always, to both of them for their hard work. And I should add here that, as with nearly all our podcast episodes this year, this episode was simulcast, in a sense, on camera, and you can check out the video version of this podcast on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube page. There were some instances in which Burton was using hand gestures, so if you want to see those, go to the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel, Subscribe while you're there. There's tons of great video content that posts daily in that spot, including full replays of NASCAR America Motormouth's shows on Peacock, which have been great lately. So go to the Motorsports and NBC YouTube channel, check out this podcast, and subscribe for more great NBC Sports Motorsports content. The NASCAR and NBC podcast is available wherever you download podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review to help spread the word. And any feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC Podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. 
Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.